to the Power of Five podcast with Glenn Blakeney. Join us for revelatory teaching as well as riveting discussions and guest interviews on all things fivefold ministry. Hey there, everybody. Glenn Blakeney here. I am so happy that you have tuned into our uh, broadcast tonight. Man, this is going to be an incredible time. I know you're going to be challenged. You're going to be greatly encouraged. I believe you're going to be stretched in a good way in terms of what God wants to do. God is working in this season. He is enlarging us. He's doing a great work by His Spirit in preparing his people, preparing his church, his ecclesia, to do great things on the earth. And it certainly is not business as usual. We are in a time of reset and recalibration. We are in a time, really, of retrofitting the church, bringing the church back to the original blueprints and pattern of the New Testament. We talk about this often. You guys know that. And tonight, we're going to really take a deep dive into this topic of what does it mean to apostolically causing the church to really come into compliance with heavenly standards. And and so there is an architecture that the Bible talks about in the New Covenant Paul said, by the grace of God, he is a wise master builder. And that word in the New Testament Greek is a word from which we get architect in English. My guest is Paul Tothill, all the way from Adelaide, Australia. And for you guys who don't know Paul, you are going to be extremely blessed by him. He's, uh, in my opinion, one of the hidden gems in the kingdom. And uh, I know you're going to be extremely encouraged by what he shares with us. Paul is a lawyer. Paul is also an apostolic leader. He's been extensively involved in international ministry, teaching, training. He's a theologian. He's a student of the word, and he is mentoring leaders all over the world. Now, Paul, I know you've been on a journey, and uh, God has been developing your vision and your awareness of, of the kingdom. Uh, yeah. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about you know your background, how you ended up as a lawyer, being in ministry, still practicing law <laughs> concurrently, yeah. and, and where you've got to this place right now in your journey. We'd love to hear the story. Thanks, Glenn. Um, first of all, uh, thank you for that very nice introduction. Um, I, I wouldn't call myself a theologian, though. Uh, I, think I think I've got a long way to go there, but I'm certainly, uh, my lawyer background gives me a great interest in understanding the word in its context and mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I'm a life learner, if I can put it that way. And yeah. so I'm enamoured with studying the word in its context. It's near Eastern uh, roots. It's, it's, it's full depth and so that I can get meaning out of it as best I can mm-hmm. through prayer and revelation of the Holy Spirit. But my journey, uh, Glenn, mm-hmm. has really been an interesting one um, where um, many, many years ago there was a prophetic word released uh, over my life. Uh, I was marrying my wife. That's how long ago that was. And uh, I didn't know what to do with that prophetic word at all. Um, mm. And that sort of said, well, you're going to be going off and doing this and doing that. And I thought, well, that that doesn't even make sense to me. I'm, I'm going to go off and be a lawyer. And uh, that's where my passion is. But uh, in time, 
um, God allowed me the grace to walk that out. And um, then I got to a point where I just really felt something burning in me um, that just wouldn't go away. And I, I felt I needed to respond to that and make a life decision that really uh, took me out of the legal profession, practicing as a barrister and doing complex trials to um, coming into a church environment and taking up a leadership role. Okay. And that, that was a very big growing experience for me. Uh, and, I, and I had to realize that I was moving in a completely different metron. Um, the way in which I would language things needed to change. Um, I couldn't be a lawyer while I was trying to lead people into spiritual dimensions. And I had to go through a process myself of unraveling some of my own rigid, uh, very logical, very practical, very intellectual mindsets to give room for the revelation of God, to smash the smallness of my thinking, to bring me into the, the breadth, depth, width and length of God's thinking. And that's an ongoing process. So, um, you know, really the tipping point for me was um, in 2006 uh, when I was brought on to uh, eldership uh, with a young man leading the church I was in. And uh, I submitted myself uh, fully to that gentleman, and uh, I, I had to learn a lot of things uh, about serving a younger man, a lot of things about myself, wow. Wow. servanthood. Um, hmm. But it was in 2006, Glenn, when uh, I had a profound encounter uh, at a meeting that Heidi and Roland Baker and Larry Taylor uh, were ministering in Adelaide in 2007. It was something God was doing extraordinarily all over the world, I believe. And I had... A, a profound encounter with the Lord that whole week uh, to the point that that shaped so much of my thinking and so much of my foundation that just became a process of unraveling that over the years. Hmm. Wow. So um, you mentioned God was doing something extraordinary and, you know, you said a few, few things that I just like to go back and touch on. Um, God was doing something extraordinary back in that time, 2007 specifically yeah. is what you referenced. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, where are we at now compared to 2007? Well, I, I think the last 14 years for a lot of people has been a process of the development uh, of proper foundations to hold uh, an increasing revelation of the kingdom and the apostolic foundations that we have to some extent um, abandoned, moved on or submerged in the traditions of, of, of church ecclesia. And I think the gospel of grace is incredibly valuable, incredibly important to understand. But Paul always built that gospel of grace, of, of salvation and empowerment into a context of bringing forward the kingdom. So one of the things that we've had to rediscover in this last 14 years, certainly for myself, and I don't know about others, but it seems to be there's been a re-emerging understanding of what are the apostolic foundations, the apostolic prophetic foundations that the early church was built on? And this is, there's been a lot of debate around it. And, and certainly the apostolic prophetic mantle foremost fundamentally allows the revelatory realm, the unseen realm of the kingdom to be made known and to be caused to be manifested into the earth. And that picks up really the Genesis narrative that hasn't changed by virtue of the commission of Matthew twenty eight eighteen, mm. and Matthew twenty eight eighteen 
for those who don't know, what does that say, Paul? <laughs> well, uh, Jesus, Jesus comes out of this most glorious moment that in his death he's overcome through the work of the cross. He's overcome all the works of the enemy, all the works of darkness in all of its manifestation. He reestablishes the Eden authority that humanity had. He hands it back to the apostles and the church, and he says, go into all the world. Uh, in other words, this is a going missional reality, go into all the world, fully immersed. And that, that baptismo word is, is, is significant, fully immersed in the fullness of the Godhead. And Paul really draws this out in his letters to the church, especially to, Colossian, uh, to the uh, Colossians, but fully immersed in God, teaching them what I've taught you. And what was Jesus teaching? He was teaching the kingdom. Yeah, yeah, that's powerful. And you mentioned God smashing the smallness of your thinking. And of course, it's natural for us as those who may be analytical by nature, that's the way I am, yeah. um, that our analysis, we sometimes call it, uh, you know, analysis paralysis. And, yeah. and we get to a place where our understanding actually prevents us, right? You know, and Paul talks about that in 2 mm. Corinthians 10 about mm. uh, strongholds, and he's referring to the mindsets there, right? Paradigms. Yeah. And yeah. So yeah. how uh, specifically, you know, was this process unfolding in terms of God smashing the smallness of your thinking and, yeah. and enlarging, you know, your capacity to receive that revelation from him? We, we, we were at a meeting, and I don't know if, in those days, uh, anyone had been in a Heidi Baker meeting, um, Heidi would just simply worship until the manifest glory of God mm. filled the room. And she was in no hurry. Um, and she just completely honoured the presence of God. And we were in a very large meeting. My wife and I were sitting there. And manifestations of all kinds started to take place as the Holy Spirit was swirling around the room. Well, the first thing that did was offend me. <laughs> the, first, the first thing that happened was... I was offended. And, you know, the funny thing is, is I was crying out for more. I, I knew there was more. I, I wanted to press in for more. I wanted to be part of the more. I, I read the scriptures and said, if, if this is reality, then why aren't I experiencing it? Why? Where's my measure of faith? Is it a measure of faith? Is it, what, what's the issue here? And, and I was really searching for something deep. I had salvation and I loved that. I'd, I'd had all kinds of different experiences before that. But there was a moment in my life where I was deeply hungering for more and, uh, and, and God was gracious to me. So the Holy Spirit, as I uttered thoughts in my, to myself, not out loud, uh, about my offense, and, and this is what I said. I said, this surely cannot be you, God. Right. And the words resonated me with a deep brokenness of my heart. Who are you to tell me what I can and can't do when I move? And I realized that I was on the wrong side of the conversation and I was completely broken of heart. And then the Holy Spirit told me that I was a Pharisee, wow. that in other words, I was adopting a religious spirit. And these, this was the leaven that Jesus warned his apostles on that would frustrate the manifestation of the kingdom. Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod, the humanistic thinking, the logical thinking that, that God has to fit into my paradigm. No, I've got to fit into his paradigm. And so that deep conviction of the Holy Spirit just broke my heart. I mean, I wept and I realized that God was doing something in me and he supernaturally then just pulled down those strongholds. And so the next night we, we came along and I just went, well, you can do whatever you want, Lord. You're free to be you. 
uh, and that way I can come into that reality. And I didn't want there to be a barrier of my thinking, of my intellect, of the things that were hidden in my heart, actually. It, it's not a conscious resistance. It's a subconscious problem of the pattern of our thinking. And next night, the Lord told me, get on my face and worship. And I said, well, yes, Lord. Then all of a sudden, these thoughts started to come into my head. And I thought, well, I'm a leader in the city. What's it going to look like if I'm completely flat out on the floor worshiping the Lord? I love worship. But there was a resistance. Something deep in me was getting tapped uh, on the shoulder, so to speak. And, and uh, you know, three times the, the Holy Spirit uttered to my heart, get on the floor and worship me. And each time I resisted and on the third time the Holy Spirit said to my heart, you know, you, you, you've got a spirit of pride. So not only was I a Pharisee, <laughs> I was a prideful Pharisee. And yet all the while I was desiring more and I couldn't understand what the resistance was, what was the blockage. And it was actually the subconscious patterns of my thinking. And as I fell on my face in obedience to the Holy Spirit, that's when I went into an encounter uh, with the Lord. And then the whole week unlocked through encounters, revelation, um, you know, the prophets of Old Testament realities were becoming realities, moving through the veil. There's a whole conversation around that. And that, that then changed all my thinking. And I started to see the bigness of the expanse of God's thinking and his ways that were nothing like my thinking, nothing like my ways. So I then had to get on a journey to reread scripture in a way illuminated through the Holy Spirit and yielded to what God wanted to tell me, not what I wanted to, to program God to read. The Power of Five podcast will be right back after this short break. Hey guys, Glenn Blakeney here, and thank you again for joining us for another episode of the Power of Five podcast. I wanted to mention to you that we have a monthly Zoom session where we bring on a special guest and we teach and equip you on all things pertaining to the fivefold. We delve in much deeper than what we're able to do in the podcast. We actually help you develop strategies and resources so you're able to lead with the power of five. If you're interested in being part of this, it's absolutely free of charge. All you have to do is click on the link to join our email list in the show notes. God bless Bless you guys. Now, back to the Power of Five podcast. Yeah, and it's true because, um, you know, the people that are the most... um, easy to disciple and and bear the most fruit are those who don't have that background in terms of being raised in certain religious traditions. I'm talking about Christian religious traditions. Yeah. Um, You know, and Jesus, uh, clearly those who received him were the tax collectors, the prostitutes, the common people, but the religious people, the, the theologians per se uh, were, were really the ones that were, averse to what he was saying and teaching. And yeah. I know I know we're in that stage uh, right now where the Lord has been deconstructing many things throughout the years. We've been in a, a process, you know, go back to the outpouring of the Spirit. Um, you know, so many things have changed that we've seen the apostolic, the prophetic. Some people think the apostolic prophetic was introduced in the 70s or the 80s, but obviously it goes way back. I mean, yeah. even as far back as uh, um, it's been around for years, yeah. but I'm saying even in, in the Welsh revival and 
and so on. There was a, an embracing of fivefold miracles, healings, um, teaching, yeah. Holy Spirit baptism, healing, apostolic prophetic again um, in hitting yeah. hitting the world more so. Um, some people refer to it as the neo apostolic reformation. Um, but we're at a season now where it seems that kingdom is is being rediscovered in fact i'm writing a book right now with that title rediscovering the gospel of the kingdom when we talk about kingdom what does that mean to you i think first of all kingdom is a governmental realm Mm -hmm. but it's also a cosmic space so the reality i mean if you read heiser and and some of the peer-reviewed scholarship around this it's quite brilliant What we have to understand is what Jesus was bringing, you know, the coming king had come. That's what the prophets pointed to. But the coming king came with a kingdom realm. In other words, it came with an unseen governmental realm uh, as second Adam or last Adam. And if we go back to understanding Genesis, what was the reality in Genesis? Uh, The the reality that humanity was made in God's image and likeness, uh, but were also to be priests and kings. The first temple reality is the garden and it wasn't a small place it was a large expanse um and in the ancient thought around that is uh, on on the seventh day when god entered his rest that rest means the fullness of his government entered into and manifested the glory presence of god in the garden in the first temple Mm. every temple thereafter even moses was a picture of this Eden Eden reality. Hmm. And so we've got to go back to Genesis to understand Matthew 28, 18 and what Jesus was doing and what he was recovering back. And um, if we see, if we see salvation as restoring back to a pre-fall relational reality with God, we understand the key to manifesting the kingdom. So the kingdom realm is always the unseen realm of God's government that brings order and brings true peace, order, prosperity. So the initial assignment given to humanity was to expand the borders of Eden into the darkness. So it was to steward something within the Eden reality and then to cause that stewardship to manifest the borders, to perfect what God had made perfect, if you will. That's a Jewish thought. So the idea of kingdom first locates itself well and truly into the first scene of Genesis. And we perhaps don't locate it there in, in the postmodern church. We we seem to miss the meta narrative and what God is doing in the big Bible story. Yeah. So once you come back to the big Bible story, you see that there's this unfolding of the kingdom. It's hidden, it's manifesting. We we have a physical reality that God's covenant people are engaging in. We have a, a Genesis six reality. So that when Jesus says, On this rock I will build my church. The word rock there is a double play. It's both revelation, but it's also a geographical location at the foot uh, of Mount Hermon, Caesarea Philippi, northern Jerusalem, if you will. And and why has he led his disciples there? Mm-hmm. A very good reason, because that's where the watchers came down in Genesis 6. Right. And that's when the, the darkness started to manifest in human form and in realities of competition against a kingdom. But once we get to Jesus saying, I'm going to build a church that the gates of hell will not prevail against. In other words, you will not be able to stop the advancing reality of what I'm building because people will locate their life in me and locate it in the Father. I will restore 
the key of intimate relationship back with the Father in myself, empowered by the Holy Spirit to do what? To come back into your true vocation to bring forward the kingdom realm. What we don't understand and and what's been lost, and, and certainly there's a lot of scholarship around this, is when Jesus dies for our sins, what are our sins? And and we've got to go back to the root of, of, of Genesis. And we say, well, the first one is we didn't trust God at his word and it broke relationship. And we empowered ourselves to be our own gods. But in doing that, broken relationship lost the true vocation yeah. for humanity to be image bearers and priests and kings to bring forward the kingdom realm. Yeah. So to restore ourselves back to that, we have to dismantle a lot of our thinking that has minimize that, reduce that, or said that's no longer for today. Right. But it's always been God's meta narrative agenda, if you will. Right. Yeah, and exactly. And thank you for bringing that out because, you know, when we hear these comments like, well, you know, we're under the new covenant today, we're under grace, and the Old Testament is irrelevant. Well, people are, they don't see the connection that, as you said, it is a meta narrative. It is the big story from Genesis through Revelation. There's that perpetual continuity. It cannot be broken. And God has been doing something. And, and I love when Jesus came, when he says he came to seek and to save that which was lost yep. and, and bringing out that. And, and Jesus said in Matthew 25 about the sheep and the goats. And, you know, he said to the sheep, those on his right hand, enter into the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world or the creation of the world. So, yep. the, so thank you for bringing that up. Let's just talk a little bit more about that. So now in the new covenant, Jesus comes, he, he lays down his life and he pays the price to bring restoration, as you said, what was, you know, lost as a result of the transgression. Jesus came to restore that very much Jewish thought. So what does that look like on the earth today? Sure. So Jesus is at pains to teach how he's moving in the kingdom reality uh, through his intimate relationship with the Father, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so we see the Trinity at work, that same reality that Jesus was living in. He foreshadows we can live in, in a fallen world. And so the, the shift is fundamental. What does salvation actually do? It reconciles you back to the heart of the Father that you may know him experientially. So we move. So Jesus is at pains to say, I'm going to take you out of the heavy yoke of religion and obligation that you can't meet in yourself to bring you into a relationship with me that I will teach you, I will show you, and the very things I've been doing, you'll do as well. Why? Because the same flow of connectivity, of intimacy and relationship with the Father will be available to you through your salvation. So the first step of salvation is not that you'll go to heaven one day. is so that you'll be reconciled to the heart of the Father in deep, intimate relationship that you may know Him and mirror Him. That's the Genesis reality, that we are to mirror. We, we actually have mirror nuance. Uh, and what Paul says is that which you behold you become, and hence you move from glory to glory by bound in the presence of God. And the presence of God is not just the Holy Spirit, but the presence of God is the Word and Spirit, the Word and Spirit. And we've created a dichotomy in the charismatic world between evangelical and and charismata, which is, if I can respectfully say, an illegal separation. You can't divide God. And so God is Spirit. He is Word. He is Truth. 
let me say this. When we talk about love in the church, you can't talk about love and not talk about truth. Love and truth are a person, not a principle or a concept or an emotion. It's far deeper, far more spiritual, far more empowering than that. So we have this reality that Jesus says to Philip, and and the Lord spoke to me about this when I was Vladivostok, Russia. Uh, I was ministering in Russia, and and I was standing literally at the eastern gate of Russia, where where the where the guns are set up, pointed at Japan from World War One. And and I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me, and He spoke to me. He said, "The predicate to the promise is intimacy of relationship." And I said, "Well, that's." John 14, he said, that's right. He said, everyone goes to the promise, but they miss the predicate. What's the foundation? Philip, didn't you know? It's the Father doing all these things in me. In other words, Jesus has yielded himself in his humanity through the work of the Holy Spirit perfectly to the love and truth of the Father. And in that intimate union, as a yielded vessel, was able to allow the kingdom to flow in him and through him. And that model, that architecture of relationship is fundamental to Christ being the cornerstone. Mm, So so Christ is the cornerstone, and then on the teaching of the apostles and the prophets. What is the revelation that Paul has? High Christology. He talks about this union with Christ being the centerpiece of everything because the union with Christ is the centerpiece of what Jesus lived to bring forward the kingdom. Thanks for listening to the Power of Five podcast. Be sure to visit kingdomcommunity.global to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our awesome bonus content. See you next time on the Power of Five.